0: And uh, I was like, I'm, ha- I'm happy to speak. So um, he wanted me to speak. He's like, you know, whatever the Lord puts on your heart. And I was talking to him and Kim Boynton. Kim is um, the administrative um, powerhouse that kind of um, uh, makes our entire church run forward. And she said that she felt like people were in a season of great discouragement and exhaustion, were her two words. And um, I felt really excited about that because um, one of my main spiritual gifts is encouragement. And so I wanted to um, do a message on encouragement. This is an encouraging message. This message has, has two purposes. One, that the message will end with you feeling more encouraged than you feel right now. And then secondly that you will um, be equipped and motivated to encourage people around you, all right? So this is a message on encouragement, an encouraging message. So if you've never been discouraged, and if you've n- you're not going to get discouraged in the future, and if you don't know anyone who ever gets discouraged, you, you could leave now. Okay. Um, um, open your Bibles, Philippians 1. Philippians 1, 3 through 11. If here come some navy covered copies of God's word, you're going to want to have those in front of you. It's a great encouragement. I'm going to say that word too many times today, but this is a fantastic passage. Philippians 1, 3 through 11. Okay? And before we um, dive into that, let me, Tony prayed for me so well, but I just feel like I would like to pray again. Let's pray. Hey, Almighty God, you made all things, and in you, all things hold together. I pray that you would help us to love the things that you command and to delight in the things that you have promised so that... In this world that's changing and unstable, our minds and hearts can be fixed on the source of true joy, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's in his name, the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Okay? Let me begin with a story of discouragement, all right? Discouraging. What's the most discouraged that you have ever been? Okay, here's mine. I took a job at Cornerstone University. That's not the discouraging part. (laughs) That was actually pretty awesome. But I took a job at Cornerstone in um, August of 2008. I was living in Chicago. We'd lived there for 14, 15 years, and uh, we—I took the job like two weeks before school started. And I don't know if you remember this, 2008, the summer of 2008 was like a really hard time to sell a house. Luckily, those days are behind us. <laughs> so, um, but we were selling a house in Chicago and it like just happened like the job offer took the job and like turned to my wife and, like, okay, we got we to gotta sell the house. And um, I mean, there were like three or four other houses in our neighborhood that we're all trying to sell at the same time. So just trying to figure out how to do that. We didn't have a place that we had purchased up here. What type of place could we buy up here? Well, it depended on what happened with the house that we were selling, a lot of uncertainty. My wife and I decided that I would drive to Grand Rapids early on Monday morning and drive back to Chicago late Friday night and that she, hero that she is, would stay home in Chicago with three boys, ages 6, 4, and 2, by, by herself, and keep the house clean with three boys so that with 15 minutes notice, anybody could come in and see the house and um, be able to sell it. OK? Hero woman, amazing. She's got the red S on her shirt, not me. So. It's Monday morning. I wake up at three in the morning. I get into my 1999 Camry, and the first week I drive to Grand Rapids. It's, I mean, it's kind of—I'll I'll be honest—it was thrilling. Like you know, first day on the job and walking in, and it's pretty exciting. And you know, that first week up here, and then Friday afternoon at 4:30, my class gets done, and I hop in the car as soon as I say goodbye to you know, like, all right, class dismissed. I hop in a car so that I can get back to Chicago by 7.30 so I can kiss the boys right before they go back to sleep. Otherwise, I wouldn't have seen them all that time. I try to get back, and then I spend the weekend there in Chicago, and then Monday morning, 3 a.m., I get back up and drive. Thrilling week one. Exciting week two. Good week three. Important week four. Week five, Owen's preschool teacher says, he's talking a lot about missing his daddy. That's week five. Oh, great. Week six, back in the Camry. Discouraging. Discouraging. Week 11 comes. Week 11, and we decide, let's do something a little different Lisa and the boys get in the van and drive up to Grand Rapids. We're going to look around some of the neighborhoods, do some house hunting. It'll be fun. It'll be exciting. Just something different than what we've been doing. Uh, Saturday morning, we're up. We're looking at houses around um, where we ended up buying a house in um, Easttown. And um, we're going to lunch at um, Cherry Street Deli. Cherry Street Deli. Love the place. Been back several times. We park kind of in a side street back there. We eat lunch, have a great time. Back to the van. We're driving off. I'm like, oh, I got to make a call. Could you hand me my phone? It's kind of sitting in between the two chairs here. And she's like, where? Where, did you, where is it? I'm like, it's right between the two chairs. I left it right there. She's like, it's not, it's not here. It's not here. I'm like, did I leave it at the pockets? She's like, did you leave it at the restaurant? No, I didn't. I left it right there, right by the GPS. She's like, what GPS? The <laughs> oh, the GPS is missing too. They had been stolen out of, our, out of our van week 11 discouraging so now i drive everybody back to chicago saturday night sunday morning i wake up i um i play don't ask me why i did this but i played piano for two services at church that sunday slept most sunday afternoon and night just to try to like recoup from where we're at monday morning 3 a.m back in the white camry driving back to grand rapids At 4.15 that morning, I'm on Route 94 in Indiana. Can you picture where I am? Construction zone, (laughs) still. And I blew out driver's side front tire, 4.15 in the morning. Oh, no. Now, you'll be surprised to know this, but usually um, people who have musical skills don't also possess automotive skills. This doesn't normally come in the combo pack together. These are normally separate um, things. So, like, I'd changed a tire before, but I always did change it a couple times. But actually, like, normally, like, with a dude who was with me, who could be like, dude, careful, dude, you gotta, and I'm like, thanks, dude. And then, like, so, we get, so it's, it's me, and I'm changing the tire. I get the, up on the jack, it's, you know, the tire's off, here comes the spare. You know, one, two, five holes, five bolts, and I'm trying to get the tire on. You know, um, construction, single lane,. <laughs> like, okay, come on, no problem. got to get it on. Come on, not. And I think to myself this thought, which turned out to be wrong, it probably would help if you pushed harder. <laughs> I'm not quite lining up on oh, it's not lining up, maybe I need to turn. So I turn the wheel, car rolls off of jack down onto foot pinning me to route 94 in Indiana pinned one of the first thoughts through my head ouch second thought through my head i remember for some reason like when i was like a junior in high school reading a story about a mom whose kid was trapped under a car And somehow she was able to lift the car. So I was like, all right, I'm going to hulk out right here. (laughs) Apparently, I do not love my foot as much as that mom loves the kid. Unsuccessful. Two very embarrassing-looking attempts. I was like, well, I I guess i got to call somebody with the cell phone that's missing and tell them to come pick me up here at this location. In Indiana, that's all I know. Discouraged. (laughs) Discouraged. Long story short, some dude came and helped get the car off my foot, and no bones broken, and a really funny tread mark on that pair of shoes. (laughs) Discouraged. That's my story of discouragement. Do you got one? Do you have a a story of discouragement? I think everybody does. I think everybody does. Uh, I kind of compiled sort of four common scenarios. And uh, i put it into this. D- discouragement is losing spirit or, or, or morale. It's being disheartened. So here's kind of four common stories. There's the story of the beginner. The beginner is about to start a huge project and he feels unprepared, unqualified, and unable to do it. the beginner gets discouraged. There's the worker. The worker has a big job in front of him but the job is a lot smaller than the failure that's behind him and the weakness that's within him, the worker gets discouraged. Uh, There's a a lady, and the lady has huge potential, which faded a while ago, and today everything feels like her best days are behind her. The lady gets discouraged. There's the businessman, and the businessman has accomplished a lot, but not in the area that mattered the most, his family. And now as the sun sets, he faces a dark night and feels very alone. The businessman gets discouraged. Everybody battles discouragement, everybody. That's why nobody left. Billy Graham, Billy Graham, the summa cum laude of Christianity, said, the Christian life is not a constant high. I have my moments of deep discouragement. I mean, who's even Billy Grammier than Billy Graham? How about Charles Spurgeon said, Fits of depression come over most of us. Usually cheerful as we may be, we must at intervals be cast down. The strong are not always vigorous, the wise not always ready, the brave not always courageous, the joyous not always happy. Discouragement, it happens to all of us. Why? Why is this true? Well, the big category is sin but like let's 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 break it down a little bit one one reason this is true is because the world is hard okay the world is hard john 16 33 gives us a promise that um never is in any of those books of bible promises uh, a, a graduate anybody graduate this month who's with me all right i see that hand two good the room is hands are going up everywhere um they usually like hand, like when I graduated, they gave me like a, a book of promises. Promises for the graduate. This one, not in there. John 16, Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. <laughs> As I've got my foot pinned to Route 94, it occurs to me, he's right again. Look, he said this would happen. Here it is. He's right. In this world, we will have tribulation. Secondly, and I think tragically, one of the reasons why we get discouraged is because Christians stink at encouragement. Christians stink at encouragement. We try, we think we're trying to encourage, but we honestly stink at encouragement. Because instead of really encouraging, what we do is, a couple of things, we compliment. we see somebody discouraged, we compliment them. What's compliment? Well, Compliment's like the the zero-calorie version of encouragement. It's actually not helping anyone. A compliment is like, oh, I really like your hair. Oh, I really like your sweater. Oh, wow, your wife is a lot prettier than I thought she was going to be. (laughs) Just pulling one from my own personal experience. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Okay? Or or secondly, and here's the, the evil version of compliment. We flatter. Flatter is like compliment except it's selfish and it's saying something in order to get something. Ooh, flatter. But the problem is there's an unspoken reality that's behind it which says like, um, oh wow, you're, you're so pretty. Well, what happens, what, what does that mean when my beauty fades? Does my value as a person go down? Oh wow, you play guitar so great. Well, that's fantastic, except when arthritis kicks in, and now is my value as a person going down? Do You see how that's like unspoken? There's like unspoken things that attach themselves to compliments that it's, it's hard to, so you know this. When people compliment you, one of the things that you do is you have a hard time receiving them. Like, why, I just don't know if I can really just like take that. There just seems like there's something kind of iffy inside of that, and so i kind of mm, not sure what to do with it. So here's the definition of encouragement, spiritual encouragement. This, if you like to take notes, this will help you. Spiritual encouragement is turning someone's attention to the presence and activity of God in their lives. Okay? Spiritual encouragement is turning someone's attention <laughs> to the presence and the activity of God in their lives. And this is huge because, tragically, we are more, as a rule, we are more aware of God's absence than his presence. We are more aware of God's inactivity than his activity. we, We focus ourselves in on, like, I just don't see him working over there, and we stare at it, and we think about it, and we obsess in the Areas that we can't. And I'm I'm telling you, this is why. Why am I discouraged right now? Why am I discouraged in this moment? It is because I am unaware of God's presence and activity in this circumstance. When I aim my heart and my thoughts at finding God's activity and presence with me, encouragement grows up in my heart. You will think, you would think that it's circumstances that lead to me feeling encouraged or discouraged. Not so. Not so. Uh, Paul is in jail while he's writing Philippians. He's in jail, he's in prison. Not like the prisons we have today, as you know. And it's bad. But Paul is like bursting at the seams with joy this whole letter. Why? Because he knows God's at work in it. He's he's looking at his prison bars and he's like, this is from the Lord. This is fantastic. The gospel's being proclaimed because of this situation. And he's enthused that. Discouragement comes when we are unaware of God's presence and activity. So encouragement is turning someone's attention to that in their lives. Because it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. Um, do, do you know encouraging people? You love to see these people coming down the hall. My mom is one of these people. My mom is a pathologically optimistic person. Um... Uh, we would be driving and she would get cut off or someone would be driving ridiculously slow in front of her and she would just immediately just sort of assume like, oh, well, that's obviously, you know, she's probably having a very hard day, she would say to the the lady in front of us that would be driving, you know, 20 miles an hour too slow. She's probably having a hard day and she doesn't even know how slow she's driving. I just, let's just pray for her right now. (laughs) We'd be in the backseat like, mom, she's just an idiot. Just <laughs> honk or go around, and she's like, I, you know, boys, please. You know, look, she's probably got kids in the back seat that are distracting her. I'm like, well, I guess you put us in our place. Thanks. But if you were feeling discouraged, the, one of the best people that you could ever run into would be the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul has his black belt in encouragement, all right? And Here in Philippians 1, the passage that I'd like us to look at this evening, we're going to learn about encouragement in a passage where the word encouragement does not appear. All right, This is different than the normal sermon you will hear at Crossroads. Um, Different than the normal sermon that I want to preach. In a normal sermon, what I want to do is I want to take the burden of the text and put it on our church. What's the burden that Paul was trying to give to the church in Philippi? I usually, what I try to do in a sermon is to take that burden and put it on us in Grand Rapids so that we can be changed and live according to God's word through that. This is going to be different. Here, what we're going to do is we're going to use Paul's example of encouragement and go to school on it. He has a black belt in encouragement, like I said, and we are entering his uh, dojo. This analogy is falling apart on me. Martial arts being left behind. Here we go. Let's go to school with Paul as our teacher in this passage from Philippians, starting in verse 3. Read with me, please. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it, will, will carry it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me, my eyes just skipped a line, where did it go? It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge, and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Well, there's four tools here in this toolbox. Paul's got a toolbox of four tools for encouragement, and he is um, so good at this, that he's weaving all of these tools together. He'll Start with ver- uh, with tools one and two at the same time, and then he'll move on to tool three, and then he'll go back to to two four and two kind of combined. So what I want to do, just for our um, edification, I want to kind of split them apart. I'm not going to go verse by verse through this passage. I'm going to go to these four tools for encouragement and pull them apart and discuss them, and I'm going to put them in order, easiest to hardest. Okay, so especially tune in on the front part of this. This is one's the easiest. Let's review our definition. Encouragement is turning someone's attention to the presence and activity of God in their lives. Tool number one, the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, this is the easiest one. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is proof that God is at work in someone's life because the fruit of the Spirit is different than the fruit of me. It's different than the fruit of you. The fruit of Matt Westerholm is um, um, impatience, um, anger, uh, uh, pridefulness, um, um, sarcasm. Um, These are the fruits of me. Pray for my wife and kids. The fruit of the Spirit, on the other hand, is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, nine of them. Nine, fruits of the Spirit. And when you see this in someone's life, you should encourage them by bringing it to their attention. Uh, Fire off a signal flare. Throw a little party. Pull them aside and let them know, hey, look, I see God at work in your life. Uh, By the way, um, the, the fruits of the Spirit should be one of the memorized lists for believers. If you're looking to encourage people, just have that list cold. Um, um, I'll speak to, like, the station of life that I'm in right now. Parents, have that list, like, right on the tip of your tongue. When you see those things start to show up in your kids, get in there and just be like, Hey, Ethan, I just saw you being very kind to your brother, and I know that that is because God is at work in you and through you, and I just want to say, Good job listening to his voice, and I'm really encouraged for you. Good job. Oh, you see how that works? As opposed to, Ethan, you did really good getting an A on this paper. That is great. I know you're working hard. Get more A's. Well, okay. A on the paper means if I don't get an A on my paper next time, Dad is going to think what? The the unspoken uh, dialogue behind that is crippling. Whereas when I can point out God's activity in his heart and in his life, it flourishes. It helps him blossom and grow. So when I was in VBS, we didn't have pandamania. That looks so cool. Our kids will be at that. When we were in, When I was a junior in high school, I was on the praise team for our VBS. I was playing piano, and my youth pastor wrote a song that helped me memorize the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit's not bananas, not. The fruit, so by the way, the word not lets you know when I was in high school. It was that week that a skater dude like took over youth groups everywhere. The fruit of the Spirit's not um, bananas, no way. If you want to have the fruit, then you might as well hear it. You can't have the fruit without the Spirit, because the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't actually play the guitar. This is me pretending I do. Okay? So listen. Have those just cold. Have those cold. And when you see someone in a difficult circumstance with a peaceful heart, go to them and say, I am just, I really admire what's going on in your life right now. I know that most people walking through the circumstances that you're walking through would not have peace. And I see peace in your countenance and in the way you're responding to different things. I just want to affirm what God's doing in you. That's a fruit of the Spirit. His Spirit is at work in you. That is fantastic. Secondly, well, let, me, let me just give a, a, a couple little things here. um, If you're intrigued by this category, you can see Paul do similar sorts of things in the opening of all of his letters. You don't have to just stay in Philippians 1. 1 Corinthians is borderline hilarious when you know what's coming on later in the letter and when you see how he um, affirms and encourages them um, in the beginning of 1 Corinthians 1. Here's another example from 1 Thessalonians 1 and 3. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness. And uh, labor of love. Love is is fruit number one. And steadfastness of hope, which is another way of saying faithfulness. In our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is always reminding people of and affirming the fruit of the Spirit that is in their lives. Okay? Tool number one, the fruit of the Spirit. When you see it in somebody's life, fire off a signal flare have a little party, and just bring it to their attention. Why? Because they're not aware of it. They don't get encouraged by it. It's the, you know, the, the most common um, metaphor in the New Testament for the Christian life is a, who knows? What's the most common metaphor in the New Testament for the Christian life? It's a walk. Thank you. I was going to go right off that thing if you didn't say something, okay? <laughs> so listen, there's nothing particularly exciting about this this. I walked from my car to my chair over there earlier this evening. I don't remember any of those steps. Do you? Do You remember any of of you like you're in chairs right now? How did you get there? Well, I walked. Well, what was the best part about that? Uh, There's no highlights to a walk. There's no highlights to a walk, okay? But listen, this is what your Christian life is compared to. It's a walk, and if you only have that as your only perspective, you don't feel like you're going anywhere. Like the last couple of months, what's, your been, what's been your highlight spiritually? Uh, uh, sometimes it's hard to, like, put all of that together. We need each other in our community to say, listen, I'm watching you right now, and I see this fruit of the Spirit in your life. Well, Suddenly, like, oh, God is at work. That is encouraging. That's tool number one, fruit of the Spirit. Tool number two, getting quicker here, spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. This is more complicated because it's not a single list found in one place. The spiritual gifts are found in a couple different places and probably not exhaustively in all of those. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, a bunch of other passages. Hmm. Spiritual gifts. Again, when someone is displaying one of the spiritual gifts, it's not something that they do naturally. It's God at work in them. It's the Holy Spirit bearing fruit in their life, their life of faith growing up into Christ likeness and it needs to be celebrated look at look at um he says here in Philippians your partnership in the gospel verse 5 this is, you know just to kind of dig underneath what is that the, your partnership in the gospel this is talking about generosity the financial partnership that they had with Paul Paul's affirming their generosity that's one of the gifts of the spirit Romans 12 8 Romans 13 3 um, um, carnal math, the way the world thinks, does not lead to generosity at all. Um, um, you cannot serve God and money. And the world's thinking is you use your resources to get more resources, not you use your resources to bless the people around you. You make as much as you can to give as much as you can away. That's generosity. That's the spirit. So when you see, so Paul is seeing the generosity of the Philippian church, and affirming it. Hmm. Tool number three. Let me move on a little quicker here. Tool number three. Tool number one, the fruit of the Spirit. Tool number two, spiritual gifts. Similar. Tool number three is God's work in their past. God's work in their past. Most people, Christians, the people of God through all ages, have suffered from what I um, call spiritual amnesia. Very often, the things, the great activity of God in their past, the things that God has done for them, they don't really think about it that much or remember, or I guess that is true, I guess that did happen, but it's hard to remember. Have you noticed how many times in the Psalms in particularly, the psalmist just exhorts the people, hey, remember this. Remember this? Hey, guys, Red Sea. Who's Red Sea? Remember the Red Sea? They're always doing that throughout the entire Old Testament. Uh, Psalm 78 is a classic example. It's a huge, long psalm filled with, and then he did this for us, and then there was no water in the desert, and he provided, then we wanted meat, and he gave it to us, then there were giants in the land, and he helped us conquer them. He walks through this history of redemption, fighting this spiritual amnesia, and... We need to help each other fight spiritual amnesia. This is more complicated because it requires us to combine two different things. You have to know God's ways, and you have to know this person's life so that you can really apply this encouragement to them. This is found here in Philippians in verse 6a. It says, God began a good work in you. He did. There's encouragement in that. Listen, listen, do you know what God did for you? You know what God did for you? Here, let's, I said this would be for you. Think about where you would be right now, right now, if it weren't for Jesus. Where would you be right now? Sitting in a gymnasium, in semi-comfortable chairs, on a Saturday evening, listening to a sermon. Is that you? No. (laughs) No. That is not you. Look what the Lord's done for you. Think about where you would be, the trajectory that your life was headed apart from Him. Think of that. You know, th- this astounding truth that we regularly need to stop our lives and just to pour back into our, our brain pans some important truths that just so quickly escape us, so quickly escape us. The fact that there is a God. There really is a real God. It just escapes us. We functionally walk around like atheists so often, just quickly into, I guess there is a God, and now I'm going to go shop and uh, hang out at the mall, and now I'm going to, I kind of don't remember that there was one. It just slips right out of our brains so fast. We need to remind ourselves of these huge truths. This is why I'm a big fan of attending church every week. Every week, every week. I, I, I run a chapel that meets four times a week, and I have like almost perfect attendance for all of those. Yeah, I come, we come to church, like on vacations we come to church, when, when we visit a place. Why? Because I forget a ton of stuff. Well, I, I haven't learned anything new in church in a while. Okay, I have forgotten stuff that I used to know that I just need to hear again. Oh, yeah. That's right, that's good. I need to be reminded of what God has done for me. I'm I'm reminded of of this story. A young lady was at our house um, talking to my wife and I into the early hours of the morning, discouraged, despondent about not having a husband. Despondent about not having a husband. And we were praying with her and talking with her about it, and she's like, what's going on? God isn't really taking care of me. And it, like, occurred to me the last time she had been at my house. She had walked into the house um, in an incredible amount of pain with a cane, okay? She had a cane to get into our house. She sat down, and she wanted us to pray for, she had some bad news from this doctor, but she had just found out about this other doctor and a surgical procedure that might help her back. She had had surgery on the back six years before, that it didn't really help, and now she was back, and here was another, these tests were bad, but here's another chance, and could we just pray for her? So we prayed for her. We prayed that the doctor would um, accept her application, that the insurance agency would would fund the procedure, that she would be able to get down to Texas without any pain in her back, or or without, you know, she was afraid of the flight. She couldn't handle the flight, and she wasn't going to get driven down there. She was in tremendous amounts of pain. And I remember, like, as it occurred to me, I was was like, do you remember nine months ago? Because we prayed. You had the surgery. You were able to jog three weeks after that surgery. (laughs) You threw the cane away. You don't even remember where that cane is right now. Now, now, And I'm not making this up. You're able to resume your job as a professional dancer um, that you couldn't do for years before this. Now you've got jobs again, dancing, the thing that you love. Hey, hey, God is really good to you. You have a lot of reasons to look back on your life and say, you know what, the Lord has taken care of me. Time A, time B, time C, time D, time E, and time F. Okay, now you're on G. Guess what? Look look what you got behind you. And this is true of every believer. God takes really good care of you. He does. He he flat out does. Just like, remind yourself for a minute. Remember? Amnesia time. Remind yourself. Has God taken good care of you? Uh, Psalm 37, verse 25. um, The psalmist writes, I have been young and now I am old yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. God does not forsake his kids. He takes good care of you. I have a million reasons to trust him looking back over my past. Look at that. Remember this? I did not see how that was going to work. And he took care of me. He took great care of me. And I did not know where I was going to go to college. And I thought for sure this is the place I should go. And the money didn't come through. And I was despondent that week until I had to go to this school and met that blonde girl and married her and can't believe I would have gone anywhere else. And then that school was the one that led me to that church that I worked at. Unbelievable. And how the Lord turned that into a a path in ministry that I, wow, has he taken good care of me. He's taken really good care of me. And you all have stories like that. You have stories like that? God has taken care of us. We need to remind ourselves about that, or we get discouraged. Tool number four, tool number four, um, fruit of the Spirit, spiritual gifts, God's work in my past, and then tool number four, God's promises for my future. This is the fourth tool for encouragement. It's right there also in verse six, I am sure of this, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion the day of Christ. God has made lavish promises for you. Not, not stingy, not penny-pinching promises for you. Not um, um, empty, not threadbare, not impoverished. He has made lavish promises for you that you should fuel your heart with. Um, Peter says this maybe a little bit clearer than Paul does. He says in Second Peter 1.3, God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises that through these you may escape from the corruption that's in the world. God is giving us promises. What promises has God given you? What did God promise you? See, because, like, really often we get discouraged and disappointed in God because he didn't keep the promises he never made. We just go sideways because I th- thought I would have a spouse by this time in life, and I don't have one, and where are you? Well, you know, read the whole thing. That, that one's not in there. That one's not in there. And do you know what else? Do you know what it is instead? Oh. Uh, way better than that way better than that is actually in here and that's what actually will happen but get specific on it how about this um, um here's a promise from first thessalonians four seventeen b through 18 paul's writing to the church in thessalonians talking about how the the rapture and the coming of christ and the resurrection from the dead and he says we will always be with the lord Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Okay? Here's Paul. Paul says, you want to know how this whole thing ends up? Not, not sure about that doctor's visit you got coming later this month? Not sure about how that relationship with your sister-in-law is going to really kind of end up? Not sure about how this um, uh, financial difficulty you're working through um, is going to play out soon? Here's how it ends up. Ends up, ends up, ends up, ends up. You're with him. He's with you. Forever. <laughs> Catch a little view here. Um, heaven. Okay? Let's just, like, just like raise your gaze. You know, um, there's nothing new under the sun. That's discouraging. Get your eyes up above. <laughs> Where does my help? I lift my eyes up to the heavens, up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Comes, my help comes from him the maker of all things. We will be with the Lord forever. Um, There will be nothing disappointing about heaven. A zero disappointment coming for you in heaven. There will be no, you you think you're going to get to it and be like, oh, I just kind of thought it was going to be, I don't know. Oh, well, I guess this will do. No, not true, not true. We will always be with him. This one's sort of the most difficult because this involves kind of combining three things. I told you they were going to get more difficult as we went. This one combines three separate things. This combines the person's circumstance that you're talking to. It combines getting down to the root of the issue, and it adds applying a specific promise that encourages their spirit. So this, this is hard to, f- to listen to somebody's burden and to give them a specific promise from God's word. I'm, I'm telling you, when, it, when you can do it, some of the, my most rewarding times in life has been when somebody just like, just said a, a word, a promise from the Lord, a specific one. Not like, well, you know what? He's going to take care of you. He will. He sure will. Carl 312. The guy's name was Carl that was telling me, okay? Listen, when, when you can say... Mm, Psalm 84:11. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. He gives grace and He gives glory. No good thing will He withhold from him who walks uprightly. Like I remember when that verse got told to me, I, could, I, st- I, I bet you I quote that thing to myself two or three times a day, because I'm just like, oh, how come the Lord doesn't give me this? Truth. I got three boys. I wanted pink really bad. <laughs> I got the name picked out. I've got, like, every time we go shopping, i have like, oh, look at those. Like, you know, the cute little boy stripes with the jeans. I'm like, what about over on this side? It looks so cool over there. Nope, nope, no pink. No good thing does he withhold from him who walks up rightly before him. So when God doesn't give you something that you want, it's because it wouldn't be good for you. Do you trust him? He promised. No good thing does he withhold So if he's withholding something from you, it's not good. That's his promise. Do you believe that or not? Or do you think, you know, better than him, I know what would be good for me would be this. Mm. Receive the promise of God's word, okay? So what promises can you use? Let me just give you some of the the ones that I quickly um, run through my brain on a regular basis. i probably got about 12 here, and we'll be done in like two minutes. We'll be done in like two minutes here. Are you discouraged by what you don't have? Matthew 6.30. If God so closes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? He's going to take care of you. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. Philippians 4.19. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's his promise. He'll keep that one. He'll keep that one. Not the one I made up, but he'll keep the one he gave. Are you discouraged by a flat tire and a car pinning you to an interstate? Oh, sorry. Are you discouraged by the unknown? Deuteronomy 31.8. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you, he will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Deuteronomy 31. eight. Are you discouraged by an upcoming risk? You got some risk coming up this summer or in the fall? Upcoming risk? Fear not, says Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. <laughs> Are you discouraged by your aging? Isaiah 46.4 says, Even to your old age, I am he, and to gray hairs I will carry you. I have made, and I will bear, I will carry, and will save. Isaiah 46, four. One that I have rolled through my mind several times in the last month. Are you discouraged by death? Someone you love, care about, or the upcoming, um, your own death? Romans 14, 9 through 11. Get this in your long-term memory. None of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose again, that he might be the Lord, both of the dead and the living. Are you that discouraged beginner who's about to start a huge project, feeling unprepared, unqualified, and unable to do it? That was Caleb. The Lord encouraged him in Deuteronomy one thirty six by highlighting the fruit of the Spirit in his life he highlighted his faithfulness and said that Caleb followed the Lord fully. Are you that discouraged worker with a big job in front of you and a bigger failure in your past and a bigger weakness within? When that was Moses, the Lord encouraged him by highlighting the gifts he had given Moses, saying, who made men's mouths and what do you have in your hand? Let's just like, think about that one as a little test case. Moses burning bush, God says, go tell Pharaoh this. Moses says, I don't talk, um, I'm not a good, I don't have the, with the words and the stuff. How would we do it? What does complimenting say? Oh, sure you do, Moses. You're a great speaker. You've, I've heard you speak lots of times. You've got it within you. The power is yours. What does God say? Not Captain Planet. God says, who made men's mouths? Is it not I, the Lord? Who makes them mute or, or deaf or blind? Is it not I? Go. Look what God has given us. Thirdly, are you the discouraged lady who had a huge potential that has faded and today you feel like your best days are behind you? When that was Esther, Mordecai encouraged her by highlighting what the Lord had done in her past, by bringing her into the kingdom For such a time as this. Are you the discouraged businessman. With great accomplishment. But disappointment in the home. Looking into a dark night. The Lord encouraged Abraham. On a dark night. By giving him a promise. That the Lord was going to work. May each of us receive. That promise this morning. The Lord is at work in us. The Lord is at work. In you. And he who began that good work in you, will bring it to completion. That is encouraging. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this evening, and we thank you for this reminder. How quickly this fades from our minds. Your love for us, the the extreme commitment that you have made to your people, the way you have worked in each of our lives individually, bringing us from where we were so uninterested in you, so, so, so far from you, running away from you, and brought us into the kingdom of your son. Thank you for that work. Thank you for the promises that you've given us. God, would you keep them in our minds? Help us. Help Crossroads be the type of community that speaks these truths over each other, that doesn't just settle for the, the easy complement of the external, but engages in real spiritual encouragement. God, would this be a place where we can come when we're discouraged and share that with each other and be able to encourage each other and grow towards you and in Christ's likeness? It's in his name that we pray these things.